In today's podcast, your hosts TC and Chris Nicole go into detail about what they learned this year in prepping their first men's classic physique client. And we are back. This episode is brought to you by request. I've had a lot of people asking me, does TC like bodybuilding? <laughs> so I think that's going to be a big topic of conversation. And maybe that's the first question we should start with. TC, who identifies as a powerlifter every time he introduces himself to someone. <laughs> I'm a powerlifter. Do, how do you feel about bodybuilding? Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I think we definitely know I'm a glutton for punishment. Yes. So, and that is what a bodybuilding prep is. Right? It's not <laughs> yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Are um, you enjoying dieting yeah, and not sleeping? Yeah. And then what's funny is on top of that, like you start dieting down and you're in the gym and everyone wants to talk to you and mm -hmm. ask you questions about what you do and give you compliments. And like, yeah, let's recap some of those comments. Uh, we go to gas stations and uh, I overhear the. <laughs> How much do you bench? It's just all of it. How much can you lift? That was a yeah. good question. Like, what specifically? Just how much can you lift? And he didn't even know. <laughs> I asked, I said, what do you mean? Like, he said, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. And what do you eat? Yeah, people Isn't... are funny. What's your routine? That, that's a good one. Like, walking into a gym, what's your routine? I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how, how much time you got, you know? <laughs> or I like people that just yell out things. Yeah. Like, you jacked, man. You yeah. jacked, bro. Uh, yeah. So, which is all fun, right? And like it when is. you're well-fed, it's it's nice. But man, when you're hangry and irritable <laughs> just all the time, the last thing you want to do is entertain someone's conversation. You just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. So Yeah. But it's good to get, you know, <clears throat> that is a, a byproduct of becoming super lean. But it uh, also tells you you're doing something right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So that's always nice. The the traffic just stops. Yeah. <laughs> for no, just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely want, I think this is a good episode to kind of dive into what it's been like for you experiencing uh, a bodybuilding prep. You've done two shows now. Uh, TC just competed last weekend at first NPC first call outs. Um. And we can kind of go into like each of those preps and the shows and, and stuff like that. But maybe we'll just recap with this past weekend. Um, yes, it's up to you. Um, we can kind of talk in general and then and then maybe go into detail. I mean, my first prep wasn't much to talk about, right? Mm. Um, yeah, I what kinda, were the difference? Yeah, I, I basically dieted intuitively for my first prep. Mm -hmm. um, didn't really do a whole lot of tracking until I was like two weeks out from the show. Um, but you were competing for the first half of the year mm -hmm. and we wanted, you know, all the focus to be on you. We want to make sure that there's no food anxiety. Um, there, there are a lot of boxes being checked off when, when you're competing on the pro stage, you know what I mean? Um, so that's definitely our priority there. And then after that show, we decided we wanted a little more conditioning. So we want to dig a little deeper. Um, I want to say I only lost like another five pounds or something in those 10 weeks in between shows, but we definitely mm -hmm. brought in a much more conditioned package, um, which kind of ended up getting, you know, getting kind of thwarted by some stress. Um, so we 
looked a little softer on stage than we would have liked. Uh, but I also think I was just in my head. My positioning was off this weekend. Sure. And the harder I tried, the weirder I looked on stage. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I looked at some of the pictures. I'm like, dude, like, Which I don't is even true know of posing. Doing, you know? Yeah. That does. Ha- yeah. The, um, that's why I told, tell people not to overthink it. Mm-hmm. Like do the pr- preparation work beforehand. When it's time to get on stage, do not do overthink it. it. Yeah. And that's my issue is I do overthink it, but that's like when I'm doing posing sessions, I'm always like looking for those positioning things because sure. I'm still trying to find those proper positioning patterns through my, you know, lumbar region, through my hip complex, uh, through my thoracic spine. So, um, yeah, it was tough. And then just like kind of having a little bit of extra stress the week of, and then you wake up and you just, you know, the stress is there, you know, it's making you look a little softer. You feel a little distended and it's just like, you know, it's not really where you want to be. It's not an exciting way to go to show day, knowing that yeah. you could have brought better. Mm-hmm. So having said that, we went out to lunch. Uh, my dad and my older brother came out to watch, mm-hmm. which was great. Um, we went out to lunch. I had a burger at Five Guys. Um, came into finals in a much better mentality. I uh, went out, did my posing routine, felt great. Um, we took fifth place. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like, that's great for all the obstacles that we faced in this prep and the peak. And the fact that I'm a natural lifter mm-hmm. on an untested stage uh, in Florida, which is a pretty competitive scene. Correct. And yeah. we got top five, right? So... Uh, I like Chris, what I tell you after the show, well, I just got the worst placement I'll ever get. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself. Yes. Um, but I think it, it depends on your athlete, right. On, on what mentality you want to push on them because the mentality that I have is not for everyone. Correct. Someone can get very easily defeated by the mentality that I have adopted as an athlete mm-hmm. because it's never enough. No matter what I do, it's never good enough. Um, and because I'm a generally pretty happy individual, I think I can sustain that mentality. Whereas if you're, if you know, you don't necessarily have some of the same characteristics as me, like you're going to, you're going to want to look for the wins where you can, instead of just constantly being, you know, constantly looking for more and what's next. So, um, which you did list a lot of wins. Yeah. Uh, But I think that was interesting for me to see at like every competition or everything I've ever gone to with you, you've always won. Like like <laughs> the first bodybuilding show, you came in second. So it's pretty close yeah, to the first. Yeah, overall winner. It was the so. first one. And I, but this is the first time where you weren't like the very top. The top, yeah. And it was interesting to see. And obviously, like we will probably get into a little bit more. Like Peak Week was not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of outside stressors. The body definitely took a hit. We tried to rally, but it was like um, it was a battle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So going into the show on Saturday, we both kind of knew. I think we woke up that yeah. morning <clears throat> that um, it was not going to be the the best that we possibly. We did the best that we could with what we had, mm-hmm. but we knew there was more for you. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, that was interesting for me to see you because I actually see some of that mentality like the I know I'm capable of more and the disappointment in knowing that you're capable of more, but it didn't happen that day. I see that in some of my athletes as well. And 
for a coach, that's a really like, I know it too, but also don't want people to get stuck in the like constant thought of like, I missed the mark. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you did a good job of like feeling those feelings, but then also taking time to shift into, okay, these are the objective things. Like this is what happened. This is where I'm at. And I'm going to move forward with what I've learned to be better next time. Which can be really difficult in bodybuilding, right? Oh, you man. Come yeah. And, and you get a placement based on who shows up. And, and obviously based on what you look like that day. Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. Um, so getting upset about your placement, I think, is just a recipe for success. I mean, for, <laughs> for disappointment. <laughs> Dude, do not quote that first thing I said. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's just a recipe for disappointment. Whereas if you go into the show understanding, like I'm going for feedback, I'm going to beat my last package and I'm going for feedback and I'm going to do the best that I can do. Um, generally speaking, you're going to have a good time, you know, like the morning show, man, I was in my head and I was not happy. And, mm -hmm. but it was because I knew that I was not performing at my peak potential. And then the, the evening show, I had a great time. You well, know? you said to me in the car too before we went back to finals, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it better. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, this day, like, screw it. You maximize the opportunity of like, what can I do better at finals? Yeah. And, and I also think the thought process of like, you're going for feedback is very positive. We had another athlete as well. <clears throat> I was losing my mind this weekend <laughs> coaching. Um, but, uh, she was competing in Kentucky. Janelle is competing in Kentucky and she expressed similar, you know, we talked about what we wanted to see going into that show. And it was the same thing. We're going there for feedback. We need to know this, this, and this, we need to talk to this person. Uh, like th these are our action steps and that's what we're focusing on. Whatever else happens is icing on the cake, but there's a strategy in preparing an athlete mentality going into a show like we talked about in the last episode. I felt like you exhibited that very well and so did she so that you guys made my job a lot easier. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, there's always going to be that, you know, minute disappointment of absolutely kind of want a top three, you know, that kind of stinks. Yeah. But, I felt that way this year too, as an athlete, you know, but it, it, if you can walk away knowing that like you left it all out there that day, right. That's the best you can ask for. Yeah. And like you said, that's what we did. You know, after mm -hmm. lunch, I went to the gym. I yeah. went to the gym for like an hour and a half, two hours. And I got just a little bit of pump uh, so I could feel a little better moving. I did mm -hmm. some mobility work and I did a ton of posing and I came back and just felt so much better. Yeah. You know, uh, felt like I nailed my routine. Yeah. Um, I feel like the after my routine... I was the last one in my class to do my routine. So I went right to the diagonal uh, before they started calling placements. So while they were bringing everyone else out, um, I saw the judges looking at me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that at that point in the show, they've already made the placement calls, right? I, I am the place that I'm going to be. And, babe, I have ADD. I'm going to fidget. I need to give it's you something okay. else. I'm going to fidget. <laughs> they can't hear it, I promise. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I saw them looking at me. So that tells me that I know 
that we did exactly what we wanted to do from the morning show to the night show. Right. We brought a better physique. We brought a more confident package and we presented it um, much, much better. And it made them second guess the placings, which is all I was looking for. You know, we weren't going in there looking to win the overall. Like, yeah, obviously, yeah, that'd be cool. But again, this is my second show. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, that's that's not going to happen. And maybe the placings were appropriate, but you brought something that was eye catching to sure. the night show. And, and that's the point. Like when you get on a bodybuilding stage, judges looking at you is a really good, <laughs> that's a good sign. And their job is to look for flaws mm-hmm. so if they have to look a little bit longer to find some things that's a really that's a good sign so yeah i think that and especially at night i feel like a lot of judges don't watch the routines at the end they're they're done for the day they're just kind of hanging out so if they're looking at you that's that's a pretty good sign so yeah we did a good job um and then would you say, okay, so the other thing that's important, well, it's not important, but I think it's pretty funny, is the overall winner at both of these shows keeps, they're always in DC's class. So he's in a very, uh, what did you say, common height class? Yeah, it's a, it's a competitive, My, I'm just an average size. Yeah. So. And I, every show I'm like, but that guy was in your class. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's good. He You're... came away with two trophies. I, I think we talked yeah. about maybe it was Masters, I guess. Masters Classic and then. And then the Open, open. yeah. And they're, yeah, they're, I mean, but that's good competition. Yeah. He looked really good. Yeah. You know, it's just the waist. It's the waistline. I need to keep, I, I have never trained my transverse abdominus in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a power lifter, you push out into your belt. Yeah. <laughs> and that always worked for me. Um, now I know that activating my transverse abdominus muscles and building them and increasing and improving my control, my neuromuscular control over them will improve my power lifts um, because it brings more attention to your core musculature. Mm-hmm. And the better you're able to control, like specifically control all of those different muscles in there, including like front to back, right? This is not just your rectus, your six pack. This is your rectus, your obliques, your transverse, but then into your back, it's your lats, your QLs, your erectors, it's all, your infraspinatus. It's like all of these muscles have to be working together. And if you have any little regions that are, you know, quiet, you know, the activation is a little quieter, your bracing is not going to be as good. Whereas when you're on the bodybuilding stage and, and you're, trying to present your body as well as possible, you literally have to activate your entire body. Um, mm-hmm. And like, do you have to get your erectors activated in your front pose? Like, no, nah, you can get into a lat spread and a front pose without activating them. But man, you're going to look so much better if you can stretch that midsection out by activating those erectors. Um and pulling your transverse in at the same time. So it's like a lot of these positional cues that I've been working on to um, kind of balance out my aesthetic look is very distinctly transferring over to my my bracing patterning for my lifts. And um, I'm definitely getting better activation for certain lifts. Um, I'm feeling more solid. I'm feeling more straight and square. Um, so again, going back to like when we first started this bodybuilding journey what i said was my goal is uh to finish my injury rehab right so that i can get back to powerlifting and do some crazy stuff so that's all moving in the right direction 
Um, but I have a new goal of making my waist smaller and my hips are as wide as they are. <laughs> yes, and, German, oh German gosh, birthing man, hips. I'm, I'm looking at these, like, I'm looking at the top five of this <laughs> picture and I'm just, how are these guys' hips this small? It's so crazy to me. Yeah, if we have kids, you can birth a child. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the one saving grace I have is you look at Arnold, he's got wide hips, mm -hmm. you know? He's, he's German too. He's got wide hips. So I just need more abdominal control and a bigger upper body. So, which I will say that that's a typical thing as people are like, oh, powerlifters have a big blocky waist. Mm -hmm. Now I understand in train, like training your, and maybe that's something you talk to the listeners about. It's like training, is there waist training? not waist trainers, but like, is there specific styles of training your midsection for powerlifting versus bodybuilding? Yeah. Uh, and you touched on some of that, but that was one of the things that we knew we had to work on to get that the proportions for men's classic, right? If you look at their waist, yeah, they're so the tiny. right, the right look for it. Um, yeah, you know, in the past, I would have said, yes, there's a difference. And, you know, I guess right now, yes, there still is a difference because there's still, there's more of an emphasis on complete rigidity when you're powerlifting for one rep max or even for a three rep max. Um, whereas in bodybuilding, so let's see here. How do I want to describe this? Well, with uh, what I'll, I'll explain with what I know, like Go with ahead. powerlifting, you need to create that, like you said, rigidity in your midsection because that is part of your foundation of being able to move max amount of weight. It does make a huge difference. Um, I've used a belt. I've done the... Injury abdominal pressure. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and pushing out, and it does make a huge difference. So how you can control your core when you're mo moving max weight, that makes complete sense to me. Um, so I think a good analogy or metaphor or simile, or no, analogy, I don't know, whatever. Uh, I'm not an English major. <laughs> um, would be to liken it to your hip complex right your hips can go forward you can do forward lunges you can do squats straight mm -hmm. up and down you can go forward and back and go side to side right so your abdominals they can they can brace and activate in different ways as well because you have three different abdominal muscles transverse rectus obliques um so you, you have different activation patterns for those muscles but for certain lifts i think that power lifters often miss out on the transverse abdominus activation because they throw the belt on and then they squeeze their abs like they're showing off their six pack. Okay. And then they, or, or even they skip that step and they, you know, get a big belly breath. So they loosen all their abdominal muscles so that it can get as big as possible. And then they brace on top of that. Okay. So, um, that is how I used to brace. And it was great. You know, I mean, it, it works perfectly fine if Obviously. you're wearing a belt, you yeah. know, yeah, it, it's, that's, that's fine. Now, is it optimal? Eh, probably not. Now, the reason I say that is because now that I've been bodybuilding, your constant focal point is on a narrow, tiny waist. So what you're constantly trying to do is pull your waist in 
and tight and tall. So tall and tight is a, is a cue that I use all the time for people. Um, because just like I said earlier, you can activate your abdominals in different ways and you can just squeeze them like you're showing off a six pack, or you can try to make, you know, increase the distance between your ribs and your pelvis while also making them tight, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I think that that is one of the first bracing sequence that a lot of people are missing out on when they're doing power lifts or compound lifts. So your transverse abdominus is your belt, right? And if, if you don't wear a belt, your transverse abdominus is what goes all along the inside of your rectus and oblique muscles. And it, it completely encases your, your abdomen, right? So if it's, if you're wearing a belt and, and you're always doing all of your working sets with a belt, mm -hmm. then your transverse abdominus are eventually going to turn off and you're going to turn into a fat power lifter, right? Um, whereas if you're constantly, if you're not always using a belt and you're activating your transverse abdominus and then belly breathing in behind that abdominal wall that you've just tightened and then bracing your rectus and obliques on top of that, you're going to have such a strong, solid abdominal brace that you're not even going to need a belt. Now, obviously, when you're first starting out doing this, your abs aren't going to be strong enough to be able to sustain that positioning um, and stability. So, like, you know, isometrics are going to be really good to build this. Uh, slow eccentrics are going to be really good to build this, like pause reps, tempo reps, stuff like that. Um, but learning how to properly position yourself in this bracing pattern is... First of all, it's not a, it's not only going to make you stronger in your lifts. It's going to make you safer in your lifts and it's going to make you taller mm. because you're not hunched down. Your your erectors, all of your erectors are activated and all of your abdominal muscles are working to keep your core tight and tall. And eventually it's going to be subconscious. You don't even have to think about it. Yeah, and I would say um, from some of the girls that we've been working with that previously had been wearing waist trainers, myself included, for a long amount of time, um, using something for a constant support of your core over a long duration deactivates the musculature within your body. And uh, I think we've touched on this a little bit in, po in previous podcasts, too, about like my posing, feeling like I could stand a little bit taller because I had actually trained my core to hold myself up um, versus like trying to use a supplemental piece of equipment to try and shrink my waist. Um, and I've also watched you pose where you're able to pull your waistline in with your musculature to make it smaller. So yes, there is like some, there's also the effect of like shifting your hips or pivoting them just to kind of like create the illusion of a small waist. But also see that what effect that muscular control can do in bringing your waistline in. So I think there's something to that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that's another thing that I felt was actually very helpful at this past show is between pre-judging and finals, when we went back and you were warming up for finals, one of the expeditors came back and actually like gave some random unsolicited advice Um he actually said, you look really good. And then you started expressing about the things that you were unhappy with. And then he kind of like stepped in and gave some like cues and some correction. And I like that he reiterated like posing is an illusion. It's all an illusion. 
So the emphasis on like how you are presenting on stage, which most bodybuilders, they know, but to the degree of it actually making a crazy amount of difference um, was something I thought that was very positive. Like, oh, I'm a powerlifter, like have a big waist. Okay, well, here are solutions that can help with such and mm-hmm. such. And I just feel like I continue to see you. It's weird. Like, they'll be like one day, <laughs> we'll be like walking by me. I'm like, who is that person? You just kind of like have continued to morph mm-hmm. into this aesthetic. And you've only been doing it for a short amount of time. So with repetition and time just with anybody, um, it will continue to improve. Yeah. And that, I mean, that kind of brings me to what I want to talk about next is that, well, well, next, I mean, we're kind of already talking about is the, the, how muscular control can change how you look on stage. It's not all about building muscle and Mm -hmm. growing muscle mass and bringing in a different conditioning to your stage next time. Like I look at your Tahoe shots and then your stage shots from your first show this past year and yeah, you put on some muscle, but your positioning is like 100% different. Mm-hmm. And it's like you talked about, it all starts with your core, mm-hmm. but your presentation was just so much better that you were able to present the physique that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, yeah, we built some more muscle, so that definitely helped. But um, that's one thing I've learned in my prep is that it's not just about working out and eating right. It's about being immersed in the goal and understanding that one of the quotes that I'm a big fan of saying is there's always more. Um, but it's not just that you can try harder at this one thing is that there are always more ways to improve. It's not just this, this, this is the one way that you can improve and improve and and move up in your placings in a bodybuilding show. Just mm-hmm. go work harder in the gym. Like, that's not the case. Right, right. And especially as a powerlifter who, again, we don't want to become our diagnosis. So, right, like you say that I tell people, I'm a powerlifter, I got a fat waist. And like, yeah, and that's true right now. But I'm not just accepting that fact as my limiting factor in bodybuilding. I'm not going to say, well, I'm never going to win a show because of this. Right. This is just what I'm focusing on right now. I'm focusing on my waist. I'm focusing on stretching my rib cage out to try to make that a little bigger and wider. I'm focusing on my hip mobility so that I can, you know, more easily externally rotate my femurs to make my hips look smaller in comparison to my legs. Mm-hmm. I'm working on my transverse abdominus activation so I can continue to bring it in and get super, super small and tight. I'm working on, you know, learning how to ab vacuum and increasing my shoulder mobility so that when my arms are overhead, um, you know, my rib cage looks enormous and it's not hindered by my lat tightness. Mm-hmm. So there are just so many areas and aspects of the human body and prep and what goes into winning a bodybuilding show that um, you're, you're never going to want for things to work on. I can promise you that. Well, yeah. And I don't care if you've been doing this for our one month or 10 years. It doesn't matter. There's always more and there's always, look, if you're not feeling it going into the gym one day, you just can't lift heavy. You're just, your brain is not there. It's just, you're not having a good day. Do your mobility work. Do your positional work, you know, like do your standing ab marches, do your bottoms up kettlebell walks, do your 
bottoms up kettlebell sit downs do all the shit that like you don't want to quote unquote waste time doing when you actually feel good and you want to you know you're ready to hit the gym and go in there and crush a pump so there are just so many ways for you to keep moving and i think that one of the most like beneficial lessons that i learned from my back injury was stop focusing on what you can't do there are so many things that you can still work on improving stop focusing on what you can't do and continue to focus on what you can do and keep building it'll snowball Mm -hmm. and eventually you'll be able to do do those things that you couldn't do before you'll be able to do them again eventually it's okay just be patient build your weak links and eventually you'll be rewarded with being able to go back and do the things that you wanted to be doing all along. I feel like I've heard this speech a couple of times <laughs> directed at me. <laughs> so here everyone else can have it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, well, but it's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've berated myself so often for that. <laughs> like the first couple of years we were together. Well, the first year we were together was great for me, but then the year after the, the second and third year, I was not the best athlete. Um, Last year, I kind of focused on raw and like kind of learned my role in that federation. And this year, I kind of decided that I was not going to put myself as an athlete on a back burner anymore. Um, And we think we got some good results. You know, I mean, we we built a pretty good physique. And now I think we're we're contemplating Ben Weider. But since it's the same weekend as Worlds, I think. Because stress was our biggest issue this year, um, we may just forgo that and move right into a like a building phase. Try to hang out right around two hundred pounds, and look for that four hundred kilo deadlift. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. What would you say is the biggest? What was the biggest challenge? Because you've prepared for powerlifting. Uh, you know, competitions in the past. Now you've prepared for bodybuilding shows. What was the biggest difference or biggest challenge you felt you encountered this year? I'll say the biggest challenging similarity is metering my effort. Mm. Um, You know me, I'm I'm a pit bull. I'll I'll kill myself before I stop. Yeah. Uh, But that's not good for prep. I just close my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Because I can't stop them. Yeah, no one can stop me. I'm the only one that could stop me. But that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, talk about that. How, where you found that you maybe made some, like, stretches too far. Um, how you're kind of learning to manage it. Yeah, expand on that. Um, yeah. So, at one point in this prep, I made the mistake of going to a sauna one day and then getting a massage the next day and then deadlifting almost four times body weight than the day after that. Well, he was very much dieting yeah i mean i was that was the lowest weight that i had been all prep yeah um i woke up the, the morning i deadlifted i was like 180 even i pulled 675 um that weekend like my cns like the next day i just woke up i felt like i got hit by a truck mm-hmm. not necessarily like my body wasn't in pain my body felt great which was a very good sign for all my injuries after pulling that much weight and deep that deep in prep and after having not deadlifted for a couple months like that was great um, but yeah, yeah. My CNS was like, dude, like you can't do that, man. You haven't been doing that. Give us a break. <laughs> so, um, we tried, we re- refed me a little bit. Yeah. But I think that that was probably the start of the 
cortisol slash stress issue that we saw for this show. Mm, okay. That was only a few weeks ago. So yeah. th- it was that week. I had that week. And then we tried to refeed me through the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then we drove back home on Sunday, um, which we had a couple of stressful things that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even Monday, Tuesday was kind of stressful. We were home Monday until Thursday. And then we started driving down to Florida on Friday. Uh, and then it was peak week. So, yeah. That's a um, good point. There was a series of things that kind of like built up. It was just my body just had no time to to come back. Sure. You know, and like, look, if I had that week and then had a stress-free rest of the peak, it, I probably would have been fine. Sure. Or if I didn't have that week and had everything else happen, I might have been fine. Sure. But these things kind of snowball. And I think that a lot of people... Um, don't have enough like grace with themselves in their own life. And they ignore the fact that your body sees all stress the same, which we were just discussing this earlier uh, Mm -hmm. with some of my allergy issues. Um, And and when people go through these stressful periods of their life, they, a lot of times, well, yeah, but I'm still in prep and I still have to get to the gym and I still have to do this cardio and I still have to do this. I still have to do that. You still have to recover. You still have to rest, and you still have to get back to a baseline so that your body is not continually in that alarm phase, and you're not just continually degrading yourself. Um, so I think that that is a very important lesson to learn, and I think it's easiest learned in prep because your energy source is n- not abundant. You know, you have to be very careful with the energy that you put out. Um, which is another thing that I learned. I learned a lot about like food choices and meal time, meal timing compared to like your energy output, right? Um, what you have available, um, and, and not even to going into detail about like your mentality and your irritability and you know your hangry levels and um, yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it, but but really making sure that you're not just arbitrarily thinking that more activity and more energy expenditure is better um don't fall into that trap you know it's it's just like anything else there is a specific efficacious dose and you need to find that and that's it that's all you need to do you don't need to do any more and yeah you can't do any less but you don't need to do any more than that and a lot of people fall into this trap of feeling like they're not doing enough and especially if you're feeling like you're behind or (laughs) you get in this never-ending cycle of you get into a stressful situation your body gets a little soft you think you have to increase your energy output and you know your activity output to account for that softness and then your body goes into even more of a stress uh response Mm -hmm. and you don't get rid of that softness and then you just spiral and a lot of times refeeds can help bring people out of this you know their body can relax a little bit they elicit some you know water you know that they they lose some of that water that they've been holding on to that softness they've been holding on to uh and then their their brain kind of relaxes again and they can you know pick up the pieces and get started over again but um ideally we don't want to get to that point yeah and i think you bring up a good point of like in you know outside environmental things on top of the stress of dieting is a stress you know exercising is exertion um and then if you have outside environmental things that are you know pulling you in different directions it all compounds and so you know there are things that we can't control so we we can only focus on the things that we can control um 
but if you can schedule less things when you're getting to a point of like like you said allocating energy for how the things that you need accomplished in that day like it's not time to take on a new project it's not time to to you know start you know figuring out different things that you want to incorporate into your daily life like you need to keep things simple mm-hmm. and basic and if you're introverted like we are <laughs> limiting social interaction is something that helps keep the energy stores alive um and you just have to know yourself and i think this process does help people like start to learn what they can handle what they can't handle what takes from them what gives to them and then it's it's up to you to just kind of learn how to um, prioritize those things in different seasons well i think also that's also a good point is um I think that prep has the potential to educate people about themselves. Mm-hmm. But if you're just flying by the seat of your pants through your entire prep and you're just putting one foot in front of the other and you're just constantly head down pushing and you're not paying attention, you're not living in the moment, um, which I know is a lot harder when life sucks versus when it's great. Mm-hmm. But I think as an athlete, that introspection and that um, not really autonomy, but just that, that internal communication with yourself uh, about what's going on around you and what's going on in your life and what's going on with your mentality, what's going on with your body. I think that's really important. And I think that's also a step that a lot of athletes miss. And it makes it so that they miss out on making more efficient progress from show to show. The more feedback that you can give your coaches during your prep, the better that they're going to be able to bring you onto that stage Mm -hmm. you know um talk to your coaches about stressors in your life talk to them about what's going on in your life talk to them about your training talk to them about little nagging injuries that you have talk to them about literally everything because that's what bodybuilding is it is a lifestyle and it and it does bleed into every aspect of your life and the more information the more data your coaches have the more efficient they're going to be able to progress you through your peaking process. Um, And the more efficient they're going to be able to tell you, you have to remove this. You need more of this. You need to prioritize this. You need to stop doing this, you know? And when you have like more head, two heads are better than one, right? So you're (laughs) depleted, right? And no one's brain works as well as it does when you have abundant food. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that it, prep taught me was how to ask for help Mm. um it i didn't do a good job at learning that lesson but but it tried really hard to teach me (laughs) um but i think that's anyone like you don't have the capacity and if you're just someone who doesn't ask for help in general anyway yes um it's going to be hard to try to think about Mm -hmm. how to do that um but because you're a people pleaser and it makes you happy to know that you're actively helping me with something uh, and, and you're not just being an emotional support person. Uh, I had to try to look for things to ask for you to do for me. Um, and in the end, it helped, right? It helped both of us. Yeah. But but I think that learning how to lean on your support circle, first of all, it's going to improve your quality of your prep. But the other thing it's going to do is I think it's going to really bring your attention to the fact that you need to be 
gracious with the the people in your circle when you're going through prep. Yeah. You have to be you have to practice gratitude with them. Say thank you and be appreciative uh, and understand that they put up with a lot even if you are not actively knowing and understanding that you're being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are points where you are. Okay, I don't know who needs to hear that, but if you've gone through a prep at one point or another, you were a dick to someone. Yeah. Well, I think there's a perception mm -hmm. because that's one thing that's been new for me. This is the first time I've been the support system to the person competing. I've always been the athlete. I've always been the coach. Those have been different roles for me. Now I've been the person living with the athlete 24 seven um, and juggling the role of being the coach as well too, which that's a whole other thing. But um, it was actually very eye opening for me to see it from the other side um, because I do think when you get into those like really depleted states and you're like home stretch territory, there is a zone that the athlete is in and they are just surviving. Like they are getting through the day. They're checking their boxes. They are doing the best that they absolutely can. And there's going to be moments in between some of those tasks where uh, they're just more sensitive to interruptions because changes right because they have their plan in their brain they're allocating energy they're they're trying their best to complete the goal that they've set out to do so it's good for me to kind of see it on the other side because i know that i have been that way but i've never understood what it's like to be that that extra help help person um so yeah it was good for me to kind of like okay like if you know, you're irritated because you're hungry. Like, that's not my fault. And I don't need to be upset about it. I just need to either get out of the way or go help you do like complete something. And, um, and then as far as like, it gave me a new perspective for when I am dieting again. Now I understand what it feels like sometimes when you just want to help that person so bad. But they either don't know how to ask for help because I've been that person too. Like, I don't know what I need. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm existing mm -hmm. right now. Or you, um, you realize that like your actions look differently to the other person. Like I might not think that I'm mad or I might not think that I have an attitude, but I sure do when I'm hungry and I just want to get out of the kitchen, please, so I can make my food. So I think it's just like, Yes, as an athlete, you learn to be more introspective, like you said, with how your communication style is with your loved ones. And also, I think it's okay to apologize. Like yes. That's something that I think that I, I should have done more earlier this year. It's like, it's less of the, like, you don't understand what I'm going through and more of the, I'm sorry that I was, you know, I had some... Yeah, I had an attitude. I'm just really hungry, and this is kind of like yeah. I'm well, not upset with you. I'm I'm sorry that I was short with you. Yeah, you know, like we've we've done that a lot for each other. Um, yeah. and we we do it more, and I think it brings your attention to when you're being irritable. Right, and it it also I think it helps with relationships because you're not moving past that point, feeling resentful of that person, because like you know in your perspective that whatever just happened irritated you. Right. 
But if you slow down and think about it, you're like, okay, I'm just irritable. Right. That wasn't actually an irritating situation. I'm just irritable. And that person didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So now you go back and you apologize to that person for being short. Whereas instead, otherwise, if you just think that that person irritated you and you go through the rest of your day being upset with that person, it just compounds and it snowballs. It doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to express to your support team that you understand that they are supporting you actively, even if they're not necessarily directly doing something for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's definitely something that everyone can definitely learn from. Um, I think the other thing, just like you were talking about how going through both sides helps give you new found perspective, um, being on this side you learn that just like you said, sometimes when you really want to help someone, that's all you want to do, but you can't. Right. And sitting there asking questions about what can help them is the most irritating thing you can do. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> please, just please just leave me alone. I'm fine. Please just leave me alone. Yeah. And like you feel so bad because you know that they just they're just trying to help. They yeah. just want to help you. They love you and they see that you're struggling and suffering yeah. and they they hate it for you and they want to improve your life. But holy crap, just leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I just need some space. I yeah. just need some time. <laughs> because your body is already on high alert. Mm-hmm. You know, your your body's like, hey, uh, we're starving to death. I'm not sure if you're aware, but <laughs> <laughs> you keep working so, out while yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, like we we don't have the energy for that. Yeah. Like uh, we're at an eight out of 10. Yeah. And then literally anything that happens, even if it's only a one point stress tick. Yeah. Still now you're at a nine out of 10. You yes. feel like you're about to be overwhelmed. Yeah. So going through both sides, I think, really helps someone understand um Yes, what it feels like, but also how to help and support someone when you're in that situation. And just like you said, sometimes you just got to turn and walk away. Yeah. Babe, let, yeah. Me, let me know if you need anything. I'm going to be over here doing this. And if you let them know like, hey, I'm not just standing here waiting for you to say something. Mm-hmm. There's no expectations. You can continue plodding along your path. You're fine. You're doing a great job. Their stress level is going to start to come down. And ideally, they apologize to you for being short and, you know, life goes on. Um, yeah. So. And it's hard to see someone uncomfortable. Yeah. So exactly. like for the loved ones that they're watching someone like diet, especially if it's your first show and you're just struggling to get through it yourself. It's There's a little bit of a barrier in how to explain it to someone who's not going through it or doesn't understand it. Um, and that's why I kind of try, try and tell people that are starting to compete like be gracious with yourself communicate with your coaches um and that will help you learn to communicate with your loved ones as well too so like we're here to help you to help them and then everybody can kind of get the most out of the experience but yeah like this was the first time like i've coached athletes and i know they've been they're in the weeds of like it sucks territory and it hurts my heart but I don't have to, no offense, guys, but I don't have to look at you every mm-hmm. hour. Um, I just think about, you know, if I need to send them something encouraging to help keep them going along. But with their increased cardio, I do cardio <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> I said notes. I said, mess. yeah, like uh, my empathetic side goes a little bit crazy. But when I'm living with somebody and I'm watching them low energy or just having a bad day because things aren't going smoothly, like, man. Learning to just know that it's okay for me to not save 
that person to save you. It's not your fault. Yeah. Uh, that was a big learning curve for me yeah. too. Like, okay, this, he is uncomfortable. I just need to make sure that I don't make him more uncomfortable. And that's my goal. I like, that's my one job. Um, but yeah, I think that it was interesting to stagger our c- competition seasons this year to learn, you know, one person can be more of the rock in the support system while the other person's chasing a goal. And, uh, yeah, I think that it did a lot for our relationship. I would say learned a lot about the other person. Yeah. Um, okay. So are there, what else? Are there other things that you feel like you learned with this bodybuilding prep? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things. Um, so we've kind of been talking about mentality. Um, I guess let's just stick on that just for a couple more minutes for you. Wow. Um, mentality being, being in prep, you're always going to feel super strong. Um, so you're able to push your intensity in your workouts a little more. And then I think towards the end, um, uh, obviously everyone feels like you're going to be a little weaker. Your energy level is going to be a little lower. Your, your focus is going to be a little lower. So I think that like training style changes, uh, was an important aspect of my prep this year. Um, I haven't fully fleshed out what that's going to look like in the future for myself or other athletes, but I think that it was really interesting to go through it this year and go through it with like injury, um, prevention and rehabilitation in mind so that, you know, I, I had that focal point, that perspective going through it. Um, something else I learned was, uh, like some, some different snack hacks. Um, man, I ate some pickles. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Pickle monster. Uh, I would get um, so bread and butter pickles either have sugar or sucralose. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get yourself some dill spears. Uh, even those sometimes have sugar in it. So if you get the kosher ones, uh, that's not going to have any colors, not going to have any artificial preservatives, anything like that. Um, and I would try to limit myself to like four spears a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that didn't work. Um, but yeah, that was a really good hack. Um, as my calories got lower, I definitely did have some more veggies, but you got to be careful with that because sometimes I can cause a little bit of bloating and like distension in the midsection. Um, but I started adding like cauliflower rice to my chicken and rice or beef and rice bowls. Um, yeah, adding veggies in was a good way to get some more food volume. Um, yeah, meal timing. I think I already discussed how like my prep kind of helped segment my day and kind of made me more productive. Um, like you talked about earlier, sometimes when your carbs are low, your brain doesn't necessarily work as well. And, and you need to find your routine Mm -hmm. and just continue moving along your path. There's like a termite moving down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that like designing a specific meal pattern was really beneficial for me in that aspect. I can get up, do my mobility work, have my breakfast at like between 10 and 11, do a workout, work for the afternoon, come in, and it was all segmented by my meals. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really beneficial. Um, Obviously. Which that's something you've struggled with before bodybuilding. Yeah. So like I do actually do well with structure. 
I am very, very productive when I have a designated structure. Um, when I have to create my own structure, I'm not that good at it. And I have definitely, like I said earlier in this podcast, I have ADD and um, it is very easy for me to get distracted, mm-hmm. uh, especially if I'm like at home in my barn. Oh my gosh, there's like literally a million and one things out there that can distract me and I'll start doing something and then I'll be like, oh, well, I have to clear this off to do this. And then I'll be putting something away. Oh, well, let me just fix this while I'm putting this away. Oh, well, let me just, it's it's just a snowball. Um so yeah, having these meal times designated uh, helped to even if I got distracted, I snapped out of it. I went and got my food, and then I came back and I said, "Okay, now I'm going to sit back down. I'm going to do a little more work." And then when my mind started drifting away from that work topic, I would you know pick something else, whether it was like moving from programming to my reading my NASM certification mm-hmm. to mowing the lawn to. Mm-hmm you know, doing some mobility work in the barn, like that, that's what my afternoon could potentially look like. And it just worked very well for me. Um, I'm very productive and, and I'm able to just keep moving and not get frustrated by my ADD brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And I like that you were able to just adopt, you know, like where there is some flexibility, if you're not able to focus, not like this is my hour to Mm -hmm. do this. Yeah. Just um, move on. Yeah, but there are timestamps throughout your day when you know work is being interrupted by a different activity and it's a short duration and then you can reset to go back to do something. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it's, and that goes along with being the intentional athlete that is thinking about these things and is thinking about how you can structure your day and what you as an athlete need in order to be successful. Um, like you're going to be going through prep and the beginning of your prep, you can handle everything. You're Superman, mm-hmm. you know, because like your macros are on point, your meal time is on point, your calories are still pretty high and you're feeling great. And two months later, mm-hmm. you're not. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you really, in that, in those beginning stages, you really need to hammer out your, the details of your schedule and what it's going to look like. And look, we, we know that life happens and right. things are going to change and you're going to have to be flexible, but that's why you can, you know, work in a little bit of cushion room for that flexibility, right? And everyone's life is going to look different. Everyone's schedule is going to look different. But it's really important. If this is important to you and you want to be successful, the first thing that you have to do is figure out how it's going to work in your life. Mm-hmm. You can't just arbitrarily say, well, I want to do this and hopefully it'll work out. That's not, it, you're not going to do well. You're never going to be happy with the package that you bring to stage. Whereas if you dedicate yourself to creating a routine and making this a sustainable lifestyle, when you go up on that stage, you get seven out of seven mm-hmm. and you're still going to feel good about the fact that you, you gave your all. You did everything that you could to bring yourself to this point and put your best package on stage. Yeah. And I think for people that work full-time jobs, like that's not a schedule that you can necessarily move around, but good things to start with are your morning routine and your evening routine. Just like the time that you get up, what responsibilities you have in the morning. If there's, you know, something you could do for yourself, whether that's cardio, whether that's reading, what, like just something that is like one little drop in the bucket towards your goals, go do your, you know, your career 
And then in the, you know, after, you know, if you're working out after work, that's another drop in the bucket. It's another thing towards that goal. And then you're eating in water throughout the day. Like, like you said, finding ways to make it marry into your already set schedule. Um, And if there are things that are just making it too jam-packed and you can let go of that for, you know, a dieting season that's requiring a little bit more cardio, like just if you can forego it for a couple months so that you can make sure that you have that, that extra cardio time, it's not bleeding into your rest and your sleep. Um, I think that that's important too. It's about priority. Like Mm -hmm. your, your prep is a priority. Also your family is a priority. Your career and your income is a priority. And I feel like the more that those three things can kind of be cohesive, all the extra stuff sometimes may just need to take a back seat for a little bit. Unless you're in school, don't <laughs> be a good student. Um, but that's like a career. I I yeah, would yeah, yeah. That with career. So it's like your day is a puzzle, right? And you have these certain immovable pieces. Those are your border pieces, and those are the pieces mm. that you put together first. Like right when that's you do a, a puzzle, yeah. you pull out all those pieces with a straight edge on it, mm-hmm. and you put those in place where you can. So that's like you said, your career, your kids, your whatever else that is immovable and then you can start filling in the in the space and the picture and you can make that picture whatever you want it to be right it just has to be one cohesive unit at the end of the day yeah and people with revolving schedules i don't know like that is it's tough and wow yeah bodybuilding is like it it is a sport of consistency Mm -hmm. it really really is because your body gets into a routine. So it's like kind of right. like what you were talking about earlier, like all those other priorities in your life. If you're banging your head against the wall saying, no, my prep is a priority and it's stressing you out, like it's a stressor in your life, right. you're just fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. You can't. You have to solidify other aspects of your life first and then you can add this extra variable of a bodybuilding prep in because that is really and truly an immovable, consistent object. Like you have to do that all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what other schedule you have. You have to do bodybuilding all day, every day. Yeah, it's a job. Yeah, it's hard. It is It is hard. It's yeah. hard. Because it's it's your mentality, right? Like, like we talked about, it's not just training and eating. Man, if your mentality is not where it needs to be, if you don't believe that you're doing the right thing in your prep, you're probably not building as much muscle as you could be you're probably not burning as much fat as you could be it goes mm-hmm. back to those studies about mentality mm-hmm. you know and how much control your brain has over what your body actually accomplishes exactly um which you know we were at dinner after my show and my dad was asking why i didn't compete in some tested divisions and or, or federations and i will you know i plan on it I, we've talked about the natural olympia and and the path to get there you know probably going to aim for that next year um but you want to tell them what i told them oh no you're telling them the story great okay (laughs) Um, i'll be i'll be the dad son (laughs) why don't you i I can't do his voice son why don't you compete in tested federations since you're a natural athlete i just honestly believe that i can be competitive with untested athletes. Um, and you know what? I might be wrong. Because I also believe that one day I'm going to deadlift a thousand pounds. And I'm going to do it weighing 200 pounds. 
as a natural athlete. And you know what? I might be wrong about that too. (laughs) Um, But there is enough, like literally scientific evidence out there that tells me that if I believe it's going to happen, it's going to. And way back when I was in high school, I read about the law of attraction. It was I took some online psychology course, and uh, that's they discussed the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very interesting. Is that to me how you then. got me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, you tell um, No, I don't know how I got you. <laughs> that was very. That was God. That was God ordained. I had nothing to do with that. Okay, law of attraction. Um, yeah, I just. I don't know if that is factual. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can convince yourself that you're going to build more muscle and then you build more muscle. I don't know if you can convince yourself that you're strong enough to lift that weight and then you lift that weight. I don't know. But I've read so many different things that point to the fact that that is possible and it is true that if I live my entire life believing that, and I achieve some pretty cool things, but not necessarily exactly what I believe to begin with, I'll be happy. You know what I mean? So I've already deadlifted over 800 pounds. And at the time, my max was 750. That The day I walked in the gym, my, my PR was 750. I pulled 675. It flew so fast. I knew that 800 was there. So I loaded up and I pulled it and I locked it out. It's just, it's amazing what the body can do. And since then, I've competed in one powerlifting competition. Well, I guess technically two, but but really just one full power. I didn't pull anywhere near 800. It was like 715 or something. Um, but my confidence in myself, my strength and my bracing pattern, it just wasn't there. I didn't believe mm-hmm. that I was strong enough for those numbers. Um, and since then... Through this bodybuilding prep, I have pretty much, that's pretty much all I do. I work, I'm at the gym like five, six hours a day and I'm just like doing mobility stuff. I'm, I'm trying to figure out my body because I know that I'm capable and I know that we're not done, but I also know that it's going to take a lot to get to where I want to get to. Mm -hmm. So, and I think the, that's a good thing to accept. Mm -hmm. Like, I think some people are, I'm going to make my way to the top but the expectation is they're going to get to the top in an unreasonable time frame which is not the law of attraction you can't just say i'm going to do this and it it just happens for you that's not what i'm saying at all (laughs) Uh, but i think belief in capabilities is something different Mm -hmm. and what however long it takes whatever Mm -hmm. work you need to do like potentials right like right yeah and that's what i think is the brain is definitely a gatekeeper is the gatekeeper of uh potent like potential and capabilities it can be your limiting factor or it can lead you to greatness right and it's up to you and if um having a positive outlook doesn't produce you know it's not a direct correlation like to success it's at least not a hindrance at least you're happy all the time yeah that's the other thing (laughs) you know yeah i posted that thing the other day about gratitude being you know brain's lubricant or something and i think i heard you who are you though why do i have to listen to you (laughs) i don't like people telling me what to do yeah but i mean if you think about it just logically they know that chronic stress degrades your brain stem Mm -hmm. um and happiness increases serotonin endorphin levels 
uh, and, you know, decrease inflammation and blah, blah, blah. Like there are good and bad things associated with good and bad emotions mm -hmm. enough to where we can agree that if you practice gratitude on a daily basis, you're just going to keep climbing. And that's what I mean. Like I'm constantly in awe of what God has chosen to bless me with. And I see it as my responsibility to him to continue to push and to show people what's possible. And I don't know. I, I know that I'm crazy. I know that I'm weird. I know that I have some like, you know, different thoughts about some things, but um, I don't know. I've, I just have been incredibly grateful for the journey that I've been on. Um, and when I am happy and grateful and I have a good head, an athletic head on my shoulders, I make progress. And when I'm unhappy and feeling sorry for myself and woe is me, I don't. And if those are the only two factors, if that's, if your mentality is the one factor that you try to manipulate on a daily basis and that's it, I think that you're, you're going to make a lot more progress than you would focusing on any other single factor in your life. Do you uh, feel that this process of like going through prep has helped? Um... I think it's put a magnifying glass on that. Okay. Um, it's very easy when you're in prep to just get into this like kind of grumpy mind state. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. But what I noticed was I allowed myself to kind of get grumbly and grumpy and cranky and well, but I'm in prep. I'm deep in prep. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. First of all, no, it's not mm -hmm. <laughs> be better, you know, be better, be a better human for the people around you. Um, but second of all, you're taken away from your gains. You need to continue being positive and practicing gratitude every single day that you wake up because every day that you wake up and you're grumbling about, Oh, I don't want to go to the gym. And I have the blah, 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 blah. No, you get to do it. And I have the benefit of coming out of an injury and not being able to do what I love to do. So now when I have one of those mind states and I'm like being grumbly, I can't say what my internal dialogue is on here <laughs> because it's a little explicit, but I'm not very kind with myself uh, in, in the acute interim there. Uh, and I rally and come back and am grateful for the opportunity to get up another day and go pursue the dreams that I want to pursue and live the life that I want to live, mm -hmm. you know, and then I have a great workout and everything's great. <laughs> um, just don't limit yourself. You know, that I think that's one of the things that this prep has definitely taught me is um, you are your own limitation mm -hmm. and it's very easy to, you know, there's, there's that saying that, you know, uh, like dedication and consistency, a little bitch slap motivation any, any day of the week. And it's true. Like you're not always going to be motivated. You right. have to be consistent, but yes. you're not always going to be motivated. Well, that's very true. I um, remember that. Yeah. But uh, uh, that, that kind of, like I said, I put a magnifying glass on that for this prep. Um, but it also kind of exemplified the other aspects of lifting and being an athlete that you have to be consistent with. It's not just going to the gym. Mm -hmm. Anyone can go to the gym every day of the week. That's the fun part <laughs> of being an athlete. If we're being real, like that's the part that everyone wants to do. So the, the not so fun part is 
yes, your diet, but then also how you interact with your circle mm-hmm. and how you interact with yourself internally mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Would you say there's things you learned that you would take to your clients, like stuff that you, yeah, you experience, and I'm guessing that some of this is what you would, but like, um, how would this experience translate into like learning, you know, some learning points that you would adopt into your coaching practices? Um, I think that going through any process is going to help you be more flexible mm-hmm. to different client needs. Um, I grew up with a, uh, tough shit, figure it out, get it done mentality, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> for better or worse, because yeah. Hey, it, in any situation I can figure it out, I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, it's true. And I'm over here like, should I have carrots or should I have cauliflower? Help me TC. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that mentality kind of bred, well, either you want it or you don't, mm, okay. either you'll figure out a way to do it or you won't. And this is what you have to do. And now going like going through this specific because I've gone through preps before, right? Like you've seen me cut down for powerlifting meets mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. But like it's just a different focal point, a different consistency level as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um not that I wasn't consistent with powerlifting, but it was just like you could fudge the numbers, you could be a little more flexible with your training because of the different focal points. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, no, it makes sense. So but but yeah, going through this bodybuilding prep, it it gives you the opportunity to say this worked for me and this put me in a good mind state for the rest of the day. This put me in a good place to have a good workout. This, you know, was beneficial for this way. This was not beneficial. This is not something that people need to be doing. This Mm -hmm. was a waste of time. Okay. This was not good. You know what I mean? So like it definitely pointed out some like, you know, supplements that came in handy. Um, some opportunities for over supplementation that Mm -hmm. should be avoided Mm -hmm. um there were some like meal like timing things that we found but also just like meal like nutrient selection right choices that that we decided upon too um and then like flexibility with training uh versus cardio versus mobility work Mm -hmm. um I think that there's an opportunity for different athletes who need different things. Sure. Um, especially a great example is uh, PJ, you know, our massage therapist in Pennsylvania. You were talking to him and his prep. I mean, he's over 60 and, and his prep because he's had back surgeries and, you know, cancer surgeries. He he couldn't do more than 20 minutes on a recumbent bike at a time for cardio, right? He said he could do 30 minutes do 30. of recumbent bike every other day every other day if he tried to do any more he his body was like wrecked and there were some days like he'd be rolling around on his little stool to get his workouts done yeah to go to the equipment to mm -hmm. be able to work Mm -hmm. so there are because standing and walking was hard for him yeah but you know what he got it done he figured out a way and he's incredible yeah so that's what i mean like there's there's like a lot of opportunity for um us to continue learning different prep hacks Mm mm-hmm and yeah, we learned some things and, and I'm just, I'm excited to, cause basically what it showed us is just, I feel like anytime I learn something, it just shows us how much more there is to learn about that topic. <laughs> so on one yes. hand, it's kind of daunting. One hand, it's kind of exciting. Um, you know, but that's kind of how I saw this prep is like the first of many, um, you know, we're not done bodybuilding. Uh, we have some plans, 
That was my next question. Um, yeah, we have some plans. Uh, actually, sp- spoke with Lee Haney last night, and 100% Raw is going to be in the Lee Haney games next year. Um, and he wants to help grow the power building division. So, which is, you know, a bodybuilding show followed by a powerlifting meet. Is that official? Are you allowed to make that announcement? Um, it is official that we will be there. Okay. Um, it's official that he is interested in helping to build the powerlifting, uh, the powerbuilding division. Uh, there are no details that are solidified yet. Okay. Very good. So. I did text one person. I was like, you won't believe who TC's on the phone with now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're we're not slowing down. We got a lot of big things coming up, and like uh, I posted that thing about the other day about go getters are always going to feel behind, and I oh, know. Okay. Yep, I know that you can empathize with that exactly. Um, we have some days where we feel good about our productivity level, and pretty much every other day of our lives is filled with feeling like we're behind and not doing enough for our clients. Constantly. Um, I could do more. I yeah. could do better. Yeah. So I, but I also think that with that mentality, every single day we get a little more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, we figure out uh, another way that we can help our clients or a better way that we can help our clients. Um, and just like with everything else, it's going to snowball. And now we're, we're getting a few different balls in motion here and kind of excited about these next couple of years. See what's going to happen. Yeah. I think it's good that with, you know, a lot of the talk of uh, p- powerlifting and bodybuilding being a combined event, mm-hmm. it's good that you lived through, you've lived through both, you understand both sports, you coach both sports, um, you've become, you know, yeah. a representation of what that is. And I do think in, even if you are just a bodybuilder, there are some aspects of like the powerlifting sport that can benefit. Oh yeah. Like we've talked about in past episodes and, and vice versa. And, and maybe you're 50, 50, but I think that there's varying degrees of learning or incorporating different aspects. And yeah, uh, we're continuing to learn that as well. Um, I mean, different stages of prep. I, I really think that like there's, uh, uh, I'll say complete overlap. I mean, like if you're, Powerlifter, it might be 60-40 powerlifting bodybuilding training. Mm-hmm. If you're a bodybuilder, it might be 60-40 body, bodybuilding powerlifting training. Mm-hmm. But like, man, there's just so much carryover from um, learning maximum intensity in power lifts and transferring that to your bodybuilding lifts because now you know what it's like to push to the absolute limit. That's and, what we need to talk about in a, an episode Yeah, is intensity. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll, I'll leave that there. Um we will talk about that later. Yeah, but, that'll be great. Yeah, so I mean, powerlifting training can teach about intensity. Bodybuilding training can teach about form, intentionality, uh, muscle, muscular isolation. Oh yeah. Um, a different bracing pattern, like we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, better posture. Um, better, probably better cardiovascular endurance. So yeah, there's like uh, better nutrition. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of different carryovers, and like you said, we'll go over that later. Well, thanks for letting us ask you all the questions about your career this year. And maybe, or maybe not, there'll be a, another show at the end of 2023. But yeah, we'll I see. just realized I stole your pen. Um, you started playing with it. <laughs> but I also just wanted to, did you, was there anything else you wanted to 
point out? I don't think so. Okay. I just wanted to thank uh, our listeners, people that have been like reposting us on Instagram, have been reaching yeah. out with questions, stuff they want to hear about. Um, the reviews are huge. If you guys have time and you like it, the content, please leave a review on Apple. Um, and even five stars or four stars, whatever you feel like giving us, uh, the ratings and the reviews just go a long way. Uh, so we definitely appreciate that. And we also appreciate all the kind words um, as well. That just kind of recharges our batteries to know that sitting here talking to each other is helping you. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then also if you are on YouTube or you want to watch us, uh, you can uh, also like and subscribe on there as well. Leave comments or questions. Um, that's a better way. I think if you there's specific topics you want to hear about, feel free to check us out. We're at Reckless Training uh, at, on YouTube. And I think that that's it. Yep. We got all of our um, different media on RecklessTraining.com. There's a tab labeled Reckless Media. Uh, the top is our podcast. Like the first line is our podcast. The second line is, I believe, our exercise library on YouTube. And then the third line item is uh, your vlog, your, oh, yeah. your YouTube vlog. Um, and we also have a donation sheet for the podcast. Oh, yeah. So if you'd like to um, support us in another way, we get 100% of the donations that are given through this uh, form. Um, so you don't have to worry about like, you know, fees being taken out or anything. Um, it all goes right, like directly to the production of this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely don't feel like you have to. But, you know, we, we like Chris said, we really appreciate all the support you guys have already given us. So, yeah. So thank you so much for listening and stay tuned. We will be hopefully releasing episodes every week. That's our aim. So stay tuned for next week's episode. And as always, work hard, stay humble, and train reckless.